Greetings from the north and welcome to a brand new forum series regarding gender, relationships, love and sexuality, seeking original solutions and insights into old issues. Our first guest in this is also our first female guest, Michaela Bom, whom we are delighted to have on. Her education is in Jungian psychology, cognitive behavioral therapy, hypnotherapy and NLP. She traveled and co-taught with David Dada for 13 years and is the only one authorized by him to present his work. She is trained extensively in multiple forms of yoga and bodywork and is a lineage holder in an ancient classical tantric education in a Kashmiri Shaivism tradition. Michaela is an in-demand renowned counselor and expert on relationships, intimacy, polarity and attraction, traveling the world, holding lectures, workshops, courses and retreats. Upon moving to the US in 94, she established a 19-year counseling practice, logging over 40,000 client hours. She quickly became popular among her ongoing clients, including Oscar-winning actors, producers, writers, multiple Grammy-winning musicians, and international business founders. Included in her clinical experience, she co-founded a Malibu Celebrity Drug Rehabilitation Center, serving for four years as both a counselor and a treatment plan manager, subsequently consulting other facilities on treatment plans. Lately, she has been making available her unique services to those outside the Hollywood elite, offering women's workshop, couples intensives, co-ed trainings, intimacy intensives for both genders, as well as mentorships and relationship counseling. She's most accessible in California, London and Amsterdam, where you can catch some of her regular events. Now, she's not published any books in English yet, but is currently finishing one that addresses the female approach in relationships. We have invited her to the forum today to converse about the masculine approach, as based on David Dada's revolutionary book, The Way of the Superior Man. But, as our female listeners soon will discover, this is highly relevant for both genders. Welcome to Forum Borealis, Michaela. Yes, hello. It's such a pleasure to have you with us. Great. It's my first work day of the year, so um, okay. you're the, the first order of the first work day of the year. Great. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. So this is uh, actually the first part of a series we're going to have on sacred sexuality, mm-hmm. on relationships, uh, gender polarity all these things mm-hmm. so so you will be first out okay great i like that cool and like we mentioned before we started recording here you're 
Actually, you mention it. <laughs> you are <laughs> our first female guest. Finally, finally. <laughs> well, I'm thrilled and I'm definitely excited to be the first woman on the show. It, it, it's such a match because it, considering the topic and everything, it's perfect. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. And believe me, we've, we've got some flack from listeners start to, because okay in the beginning they have to cut us some slack right right but then we get guest after guest after guest and i must say that it's kind of coincidental because we have like on our wish list we have uh, probably 30 percent women and in a booking we already have lined up uh, at least five women for for the next couple of months and and you were actually you were actually bumped up because <laughs> the, I, I have to tell this too we, we were we were going to have david dade on unfortunately he doesn't do interviews so we were referred to you who i understand you're the only one who is authorized to do his stuff Yes, I've been uh, traveling and teaching with him for the last uh, 13 years. Wow. And uh, um, I've also uh, co-taught with him the last eight um, at my house. And uh, I have a yoga studio at the house or a retreat center at, at my house in California. And um, so we go way back. Uh, I've had, you know, other training before then. But uh, he hasn't been that public in, in recent years. We've been doing... Um, small private uh, workshops um, at my house and uh, so that's that's I guess how I got yeah. here <laughs> to begin with no but I mean uh, it, I mean it doesn't matter who we talk with as long as uh, it's uh, the contents right and uh, yeah. and by the way we also mentioned that you're you're actually European which is kind of good too because we want to balance between American and European guests yes so uh, where are you from um, I am Austrian. Yeah, I straddle both, so to speak. I was born and raised in Austria, Salzburg, Austria. Um, and I've lived in the States for the last uh, 20 years, over 20 years now. So, um, But I consider myself very proudly European uh, in many ways. And I do enjoy my, you know, my California lifestyle at the same mm. time. So, uh, And as I'm traveling and teaching... Um, Equally in Europe and in the US, I get to enjoy both, which is really uh, lovely. Mm -hmm. Now, you have uh, an education into, uh, is it psychology, sexology? I have all kinds of educations, <laughs> my, <laughs> as, yeah. as one should at my age. Um, <laughs> uh, it's, it's kind of an, it, it turned out uh, very uh, interesting because as you probably know when when one starts out it's not always clear where it goes mm. and i had a very very strong urge from a very young age on with 15 pretty much um I, i've told the story before somewhere in an interview i really wanted to become a witch that was my <laughs> that was my actual career yeah. goal uh, but you know there's no no formal education for witches in Austria for 15 year old <laughs> right. witches no you have to go to Scotland to Hogwarts <laughs> exactly and so because of that um, I settled on uh, actually medicine to begin oh. with I wanted to become a doctor mm. and um, that then uh, you know transformed into psychology and uh, I've, I always figured that there must be a way to work with people dynamically 
um, that allows them to integrate uh, the body, the mind, uh, you know, psychology, mm. uh, embodiment, and um, a certain kind of a shamanic uh, dimension. But of course, you don't, you know, you don't know where that goes when you're 15, 18, 20. So Indeed. I started academically in the, in the areas of psychology. Um, but because I had such a strong, you know, desire to be in the more metaphysical realm, so to speak, um, I, I found a woman or actually, you know, somebody sent me to a woman who did kind of Celtic um, herbal uh, craft and things of that nature. And uh, she took me under her wing and then sent me to another woman who was uh, uh, doing the same kind of work, I was told, uh, in the... Um, in the, in the Ayurvedic field, oh. and that woman became my teacher, mm. and she was actually from a uh, she was Kashmiri, and she was from she was Indian, but but from the Kashmir region, mm. and uh, she was actually um, one of the lineage holders or the lineage holder of a tradition that's passed uh, down through women, right. and um, I was with her for almost ten years, um, and you know, coming and going, but at times very, very intense every day for a while. And I moved to various cities in, in Germany to be close to her. Oh, so this this was in Germany? Yeah, yeah, this was in Germany. This uh, reminds me of Elisabeth Heisch. She too hooked up with uh, with an Ayurvedic teacher. And, and and for the listeners who don't know it, Ayurveda that's an ancient. Uh, kind of Indian alchemy thing uh, medicine alchemy they describe it differently Tantra but I don't know if you know about Elisabeth Heisch I don't actually oh she she wrote um, some books in the she, she, I think she's from Hungary the German part of Hungary you should look into her I will I feel bad that I have to say I don't know her well um, I will remedy that well it's, well you she's know. not that known any longer but she used to she she published some books in the 50s among else a book called uh, yoga and the sexual force what? so she was a pioneer not just because she wrote about these things but she was also a woman in a time when it was a little unheard of for women, you know, to do these things. So, yeah. so she's kind of a pioneer. Uh, but she, she, her main topic wasn't sexuality and, and relationships, but she also wrote on that. Mm. She has a very famous book called Initiation. So, so you will enjoy that. Uh, okay, I will absolutely get to that right after our conversation that sounds fantastic that's great and i i wanted to get to your books but i could only find one on the internet <laughs> yeah i i'm in the middle of finishing one and have a second one going right. uh, one of the things that has happened with me which is something i most definitely can't uh, complain about uh, i have been incredibly busy there's lots and lots of recordings of mine out there but yeah. i've been incredibly busy the last uh, 10 years just traveling and teaching mm. And uh, last year, particularly, I, I traveled almost 40 weeks out of the year. And so writing to me is kind of a very different space that takes, you know, that takes a different kind of a headspace. So I've set it aside for a bit longer. I'm almost done with the, with the book that um, Great. I'm going to have published this year. But for me, 
the uh, the topics that we're speaking about, and, and we'll get there in a moment, but they're very, very experiential in the body. And there's only so much you can say about it written. That's not to say that I'm not going to try, but it, they're actually somatic experiences and somatic learning that makes it so you can apply, uh, you know, the, the whole principles of sexuality and, yeah. um, you know, uh, embodiment and feeling and uh, union and intimacy. Mm. You can't armchair those. <laughs> you can read about them all day long. You still have to, uh, you know, move them through your body yeah. and, and embody them with another human or with other humans, you know, not intimacy is something you can do with everyone, including your cat. Yeah. You know? And um, so I've really um, put a very strong focus on traveling and teaching and particularly teaching in Europe where there wasn't a lot of um, offerings, you know, uh, of, of this kind. Mm. And it's been incredibly joyful. Uh, I've been going to, uh, Holland a lot and uh, and London and really enjoying it because it's uh, very um, you know it's very fresh yeah. indeed compared to California. What is the book about? Uh, the book is this particular book is going to be called The Wild Woman's Way, ah. and it is an exploration uh, not only into women's uh, practices and women's issues, but the um, essentially the considerations of where we are in this particular moment in time around uh, masculine and feminine development, around embodiment of the sacred feminine, sacred masculine, um, how that fits in with the workplace, with the fact that women these days, you know, hold an incredible, um, strong, you know, part of the workplace and how that affects them physically and how do you rewild yourself, mm. meaning uh, bring yourself back to, to the natural feeling. And um, um, how does that then look in relationship, in work, in your personal life? Mm. Uh, there'll be some very practical things. It's based on a curriculum I teach, which is called The Wild Woman's mm. Way. And, and you also have one book that I did find online called Just for Girls. Is that in the same? Uh, That's actually not me. That's not you. <laughs> no, that is not me. Uh, it's just my namesake, and it is a book. I have read it. You have read uh, it. It could be yours, <laughs> considering the title. <laughs> yes, it could be mine. Uh, that actually is funny that you say that uh, now. It, it, it is not me, okay. and uh, I don't actually know the author, but I have the book because I always get asked that. Right. Um, I've, I've published quite a bit way back when in German, and that will come back out as well. Okay. And um, um, I have uh, you know loads of audio and video courses. So yeah. uh, we can talk about. I noticed it, it seems that your main focus so far has been on courses, workshops, uh, stuff like that, right? Yeah, that's mm. that's kind of where my love lies is you know being with people yeah. and and still being with people in in the flesh in person, and um, I think you know online stuff is really great and I love it personally, but there is for the areas of sexuality and intimacy. It still has to be body oh, yeah. to body. Yeah, I, I've been uh, working myself in in the field with retreats and stuff. So yeah, I, I fully agree to do it physically to meet up. Uh, nothing beats that. No, no matter how digital we become. No, 
No, and particularly these days where everybody is more intimate with their cell phones and computers, the the skills of openly and fully intimately relating with another human, not even sexually, just intimately, but eye contact, body to body is is a very needed reminder, you know, very needed skill. Just touching someone is a big deal. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Now, well, one book that you can relate to is David's book, David Dada. Now, mm-hmm. to people who don't know him, and, and you know, he won't be introduced here because it's you, but mm-hmm. let's give him a little uh, shout out. Yeah, I think it's important to speak about him because, um, yep. uh, you know, he was kind of a cutting edge pioneer in his time when, uh, when The Way of the Superior Man was written, which I believe was about 15 years ago. Mm. Like you said before we started the the podcast, people would read these things and it would be such a revelation because nobody actually put it in these terms. Now, of course, he didn't invent uh, invent it, but he he condensed it and and kind of systematized it and explained it in a way that was really, really amazing. Yeah, I'll say he decoded it. Yes, exactly. Mm. You know, he just found a way to make it very relevant and make it very visceral and felt. And um, the um, the subsequent teachings and people out here now, and there's lots and lots and lots of people teaching in the field yeah. of Tantra and sacred sexuality and sexual... Yeah. And it's not gold, everything that glimmers. Most definitely <laughs> not, but then it's the yeah, same yeah. for people who do Zen retreats or uh, you know, anything else either. So the new this and that, yeah, yeah. I know. It, and, and that's that we can talk about that at some point. Yeah. But you know, coming back to David, David was uh, you know, fifteen years ago or so, that the first the first uh, person who really, like you said, decoded is mm. a great word. And um, he wrote a book uh, called The Way of the Superior Man, which. Um, speaks very uh, clearly about the challenges that people face when they go into intimate Mm. relationship. Now, uh, you know, things have changed a lot since. Uh, It's no longer the climate and the culture it was 15 years ago, particularly not in Europe where, you know, I mean, you live in Norway, so the Scandinavian countries particularly have gone very strongly into gender equality and uh, yeah but can I just interject that uh, and you'll continue with your reasoning here but mm-hmm. I have to say regarding that because many people look to Scandinavia oh the women have full rights oh yeah I was gonna you were probably gonna address yeah, it I was like, okay. okay you take it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I was going to say things have changed right things have changed not always yes. for the better because the um, and I want to say this with brackets because, of course, for the better from a yes, global yes. citizen yes. perspective, but from a and practically and materially and all that, yes, practically and materially, just from a human rights standpoint, yes, and uh, you know, an equal opportunity standpoint, a huge leaps and bounds have been made, yeah. B- but um, of course, people's sexual essences and what they desire and how they want to relate in intimate relationship hasn't changed. No. These things are actually ancient. They're way, way older than written material or anything else. And um, 
it's important to make a big, big difference. And that's what the downfall is nowadays between masculine mm. and feminine and men and women, because that is not the same. No, because both, uh, just to say that, that both genders have both principles within them. I mean, a man is feminine and masculine and a woman is feminine and masculine. Exactly. And it's important for the listeners to understand that when you or me uh, speak now about femininity and masculinity, we do address the, the, the principle behind gender. Correct. We'll go there in detail because I think yep. that's very important. But just wanted to go back to the way of the superior man for a moment. Yeah. It was quite revolutionary back then. It's, uh, it's you know, now spoken about wild, widely, the masculine and feminine principles. But there's still a lot of, like you said, there's a lot of misconception. Yeah. And there's a lot of depth that uh, can be mined when you go beyond the classic uh, stereotyping, even of the sacred feminine, the sacred mm. masculine. There's much more to it. And there's a, uh, there's a, in the last five years, I would say I've seen a, a very big shift personally in, in work, when I work with people in men, particularly. Uh, and um, so there has been a great evolution in that area that, that came from the initial uh, you know, women's culture, men's culture, then women's liberation, then men's liberation, you know, the, the work of Robert Bly, things like that, the Mankind mm -hmm. Project, um, David's work. And now we're actually going somewhere where the definitions of masculine and feminine can be used in the context of sexuality mm. to give us, uh, you know, a, a much uh, wider freedom and understanding of why we do the things we do. Mm. But, um, you know, things, other things have changed to a point where we can be much more artistic and free with these principles and not use them again as kind of a form of oppression and suppression, which also happens, right? You hear people say, well, you're just not in your feminine right now, which is, is just another way to uh, pigeonhole somebody or, you know, put them in their place. Yeah. So, um, but coming back to the way of the superior man, it, it was really the first book that spelled that out. And it is, it's the, it's kind of the, the grandfather of all these books. And it's a fantastic book. Mm. Um, and, um, I certainly remember that when I read it first, it, like you were describing before we recorded this, there was a great relief. Um, you know, a great kind of a, Oh, Okay, here it is. And at that part, at that point when I had read the book, I already had received training in that particular area from my original teacher, and um, it it was so um, it was so relieving to hear both sides because I had been trained by a woman, and then I got to read it from a man. And so, kind of, my mission now is to add once again the women's the woman's voice to that, which yeah. is I am also very excited about being the first woman on your show because um, uh, it's important that both voices are present. Oh, yeah, indeed. But I, I have to say to that, when I read, actually this book, mm -hmm. the book is still relevant. Yeah. You, you move around in, you know, circles who are very into this mm -hmm. and those people have advanced, but, you know, it's still a necessary book for most people and uh, for many people I'm sure it will be still be a revelation now. Oh absolutely it's the prerequisite for any other 
exploration that people have. Yeah, it's a good starting point, but yeah. it's it's also something you can work with your whole life. But let me say this about the book. I've been pining to, to say this uh, <laughs> ever since I got the idea that I have to have a show about this. And that is that this book is... And you will appreciate that, you listeners who are not too much into, should we say, this uh, more airy-fairy metaphysical aspect of of it, Mm -hmm. you will appreciate that this book is very practical. Mm -hmm. Now, it does contain the, the philosophy like we're talking about here, but it's it's very practical. It's it's like a working manual. And when I recommend this book, I, I think I've recommended it actually to more girls than than boys. Because the interesting thing is that if you read this book, you will not just learn about the masculinity and the man, you will also learn about the femininity and the woman. Mm-hmm. You just need to kind of reverse what you're reading. And I mean, for instance, chapter two called Dealing with Women is a really good eye opener to the feminine energy, so to speak. Mentioning like chapter 16 is called Women Are Not Liars. <laughs> 17 is called Praiser. 18 is called Tolerating Her Leads to Resenting Her. 19, Don't Analyze Your Woman. You know, I, I could go on, but here's the, so so you can kind of learn. Of course, it's for it's meant for the male approach, but don't you agree that you can learn just as much about the feminine as the masculine when you read this book? I think that probably more women have read the book than men, and they've given it to men. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. I, I <laughs> absolutely think that uh, you can learn a, a lot right? just from the um, just from the dynamics. The dynamics is yeah. uh, is very. Uh, uh, interesting um, exploration that you can find yourself in, and and you know once again though it's important to understand that feminine and woman are not the same, yeah. right? And that is where a lot of people start going wrong. And um, um, you know I've been around David for so long, and we have um, you know we we used to teach public workshops, and people would come and they would have read the book, and uh, people of course take the book however it fits into their worldview. Mm. Uh, and so it has become a bit of an excuse sometimes for people to go, well, I'm just in my feminine uh, translation. I can be crazy and abusive and you must stand strong in my storm. Mm. And uh, David will always be the first one to, to you know, tell people that um, if it's old stuff, it's not, you know, it's not uh, the... Um, authentic in the moment expression of the feminine it's old stuff you mean like you mean traumas issues stuff like that traumas issues anything that's older than a couple of minutes really <laughs> yeah. um, and that then takes some specific training to be able to be that responsive and um and uh, quick in the coming and going of emotions. So, uh, you know, man and woman and masculine and feminine need to be very clearly distinguished. And when you do, the book is amazing. Yeah, but but you see, for many, you know, women started very early, already in the 70s, with all sorts of self-realization, let's understand each other, having courses. In fact, it is a feminine thing to ponder the deeper stuff, to, mm-hmm. to seek the above, so to speak, to center yourself. Males has been very slow. And you think so? 
Yes, because uh, males in the 70s and the 80s laughed of these uh, self-realization things. I'm talking in general. But then came in the 90s, I guess, started uh, the so-called... Uh, pickup artist movement the the kind of uh, you know how to get women and it started as very primitive but then that movement matured even and it, it i saw like a, a split where you have those who have focused on i call it like uh, surgical robots where they you know they only learn stuff they're not working internally Yes. Only working externally. Yes. But yes. another part of that movement started to shift into the same thing as David is talking about here. Connect with your masculinity. Uh, you know, find your, for instance, your purpose in life, which is very important for a man yes. to become a man. We yes. will talk about yes. this. So I see that it's a maturing in the, and now it's more or less okay for males to go on retreats and workshops and, and and learn about themselves yes yes that's why i was saying do you still think so because i found and this is what what really i think um is the update to you know to two things is that because uh, men have been told for so long that they're unfeeling and uh you know they can't feel as deeply yeah. and they're you know and all of those kind of things Many men, even men who are not spiritual or, um, you know, esoteric, have actually put quite a bit of effort into becoming more sensitive and becoming more aware and becoming more feeling and have a, a purpose. And um, I think that to me is what has really shifted when I teach men's groups, like six and nine months men's groups. And I have to say that the men who come to these groups are in a way um, more energetically and and uh, emotionally um, connected than than some women who have gone hardcore into the workforce and um, and and into into making it in the world. And I have such respect for these men and and many men I meet. I, I work also. Um, privately with some very high performing uh, people, actors and, and, and musicians and the emotional intelligence that has been acquired in the last 10, 15 years by men is, is very beautiful in, in general. Yeah. You know, and, and that I think is a, is a departure from the, like you said, the old days is, you know, that robot, uh, we, we would always jokingly call it the data bot, you know, guys yeah. who came in and they learned the stance and, you know, the growling and, you know, the, this video, every man's group has a video where the guys all go, <laughs> you know, and it's kind of like, um, that's a stereotype too. That's a very big stereotype, and uh, that that's a stereotype that can't be, um, you know, um, moved forward because there is so much more. And 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 I find and you said that right out of the pickup artist movement came actually something that was quite beautiful, which was a different kind of empowerment for, mm. you know. For for some men, yeah, like you said, some guys just went with, okay, let me find a formula to get laid. Yeah, that's how it started. That's how it started. But if you look at, for instance, David D'Angelo, yeah. who is actually, I think it's through him I was aware of David Dada. Mm -hmm. 
he he started to shift his courses and it became more and more internally yeah. more and more a self development thing uh, and uh, yeah. before he left that area it, it kind of dovetailed very much with this stuff here absolutely yeah and i you know i know him personally um and uh, he he's exactly what we were to- what we were just talking about he very much got in touch with uh, the parts of him that were very uh, feeling and very um you know emotionally intelligent and he's the you know very proud and very involved beautiful you know father to a daughter and um it's a it's a very strong evolution that um came with a certain kind of empowerment of men um mm. that's it's a very controversial subject i don't know if you want to go there to begin with <laughs> uh, but you know i'm i'm happy to go there if need be you know the whole it's how well i'll tell you where i want to go H- have yes. you been in norway by the way i have i love norway and i'm i yeah, have a very um very deep love for uh, the, the Scandinavian countries. My grandfather worked in, in the Scandinavian countries for many years and would take me as a child. And as long, you know. but, but have you been here in, in your adult life? Yes, I have. Yeah. Okay. yeah, I make sure every couple of years I go. Okay, cool. But uh, I'll not say what I'll say now is not so flattering about Norway. <laughs> and that is that uh, uh, this is a stereotype. But it is a tendency here. I don't know about America or wherever, but here it's become a little crisis because uh, many males have become so out of touch. Like you say, uh, yes, they're in touch with their femininity and stuff, but they become more feminine often in some ways than the girls. And the girls are forced to become masculine. Now, they, they handle that very well because if you grow up, as a girl in Norway, uh, you know, you, you wear pants. I mean, you can do everything. You're premiered. You're stimulated. You're rewarded if you yes. do everything a boy do. So from their very small, it's okay for them to connect to the masculinity uh, as well as the femininity. Whereas the boys are kind of punished for the masculinity yes. and, and their yes. masculine Ideals are very primitive and dark, not very yes. positive masculine ideals. So what we have is a crisis where many males, they can't get any girls, to be quite blunt. Mm-hmm. And girls, even though they appreciate these qualities in men, if they are friends or whatever, <laughs> they don't want, they need a man's man. Right. So that means that... Uh, there's a lot of sexually frustrated men. Yes. And also lots of sexually frustrated women. Because I was going to say, and lots of hard, sexually frustrated women. Yeah, yeah. because the men can't deliver. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so right now, what I see in this area is that maybe, you know, with a, because we had this sexual revolution in the 60s, we had the feminists, we had the hippies, we had all that. Now, men have to learn how to be men again. Mm-hmm. And women have to not learn how to be women, but feel that it's okay for them to sometimes be a woman. Right. You see what I mean? I, I know what you mean. That's all I do every day. <laughs> Excellent. That's why we're talking with you. So that's your cue. Oh. <laughs> I would phrase it differently, though. Um, okay. You don't have to learn to be a man and you don't have to learn to be a woman. You have to relax into what you already are. Right. It's a relaxation and the coming back and the 
rewilding or rehoming, however you want to, to what's naturally there. The real, real danger in all of these um, attempts to reclaim the, you know, uh, the, the, the sacred masculine, the sacred feminine, is that often that is just another layer of pretense put on top of other layers of pretense. Mm-hmm. So, so in one way of saying that is when you were born and you are born with a masculine essence um, and you are born as a man, right? But some, some men have feminine essences um, and that's a separate issue which we can go into. But if you're a man with a masculine essence, you are born specifically with a built in, this is, this is kind of evolutionary, this has nothing to do with psychology, sure. you're with, born with a built-in urge to have a direction, to go places, to push boundaries. And how little boys do that, of course, is by fighting, by climbing on things, by being loud, by being what is deemed by their mothers often violent, um, you know, and all of those things. And so... Or constructing, you know, it can be mental too. Exactly. It could, be, it could be nonviolent, but it's exactly constructing things and doing, doing things that go places, so to speak emotionally physically yeah, push the borders <laughs> exactly yeah. and little boys always want to be right on the edge of something going wrong right and right on the edge of falling and then they fall and then and that's how men masculine men grow and um of course you know there's exceptions to all of this but that's in general so of course when that is not encouraged or when it's actively discouraged mm-hmm. You have a real problem because you are essentially never getting to live out your natural essence. And then let's say this happens a lot, you know, uh, men being raised by their mothers at home, of course. And then it's like, no, don't kick, don't fight, be harmonious, don't be loud, behave properly. Uh, So they hear all of that. But then also they hear, don't cry, you know, don't be like a girl, there's all kinds of things that happen early on that make it so that particular essence might not be developed that fully. Mm. So then, and there's also, you know, then relating to women, things happen. But so then uh, those men um, put on a layer of behavior that is not natural, but that gets them love. Mm. Because you want to be loved by your mother. Pleasing. Right? And you could be pleasing, right? It's, mm. it's the oldest thing. And when women don't know that forcing their boys to please them sets them up for very bad relationship, which they don't know, mm. right? They just want their children to be good humans and good citizens and, you know, not be violent and not be rapists. And people don't set out to do wrong things. It just happens mm. that that suppressing of that forward urge um, forces the little boy then to um, put on a kind of a layer of now he needs to be quiet and uh, sensitive perhaps and sensitive to energy and behave properly and cooperate and all of those are good skills um, but they're not they're not connected to his natural essence. Mm, right? mm. Then, of course, he wants to find a woman. And most women, you know, I'm making very gross black and white descriptions. Yeah, we have to. It is for educational purposes. You have to give me some artistic license, yeah. right? But so <laughs> most women want a bit of a bad boy, right? Like mm. you said, oh, they want a real man, 
So then the, the guy who's just learned that being spanking a woman or, or talking dirty to a woman or being aggressive is wrong, um, because that's what his mother said, in, in subtle or not so subtle ways, mm. you know, puts on a, a fake layer of, I'm the bad boy, I'm like the me, you know, and, and so on. Then comes the next layer and the next layer. So it's important that when we talk about being a man or becoming a man or becoming a woman or being with the masculine and feminine, we kind of relax all these contractions and layers of mechanisms that we've put on to get love. Mm. And come back to what is naturally our birthright. Our body knows. Mm. Our psyche knows. Right? If, if you are doing the activities that are naturally yours, and they're not the same for every man. Not every man needs to do martial arts no. and, and um, you know, meditation. There's many other. For some men, it's much more in the creative domains or in the music domains or in nature. Yeah, yeah. couldn't we say uh, to any man that find your masculinity exactly and mm. that's the important piece relax into who you are already right relax into who you are already and the same is true for women because women you know are conditioned to have to be certain things from a very very early age on and if you're you know born in in, in this time and day as a woman you were essentially now in in the western world taught that you have to be smart and um you know, assertive and uh, find your way. And like you said, women in Scandinavian countries are, are essentially massaged into being able to do anything they want, which is fantastic. But doing everything you want that you want comes with a huge price because doing everything isn't, uh, isn't, you know, isn't that healthy or that good. And so, um, there again, it's the relaxation. It's not going to yet another course so that you learn something else that makes you better because you don't think you're good enough. It's realizing your innate goodness and the innate depth of your always already there masculine or feminine. Uh, the women here are, mm -hmm. they have no problem getting laid, but they are very frustrated when it comes to find a partner because. Either they choose the bad boy, uh, who they feel sexual attraction to, or they try to find the successful man. Now, mm -hmm. when most of the women, you know, in the olden days, women were dependent on males. So it wasn't yes. hard to look up to a male in, in some instances, uh, if he had something, mm -hmm. you know, uh, that uh, could put him ahead of the pack, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But today you have a lot of beautiful, successful, intelligent, independent, uh, wealthy, uh, self-realized women. Yes. And they just can't find a partner. No, for the men, it's the opposite. They can't get laid. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. You, you understand immediately why this is a problem. I totally understand. <laughs> well, it is a problem simply because, I mean, it's a problem for many reasons, but it's a yeah. problem because it could be remedied very easily but people don't know how to right? and i think it's it's very much a male responsibility maybe i'm being unfair here but i i, I think you think it males have the keys i think yeah i think that if we pull ourselves together if we learn about this thing and we learn about ourselves and we we just become males again mm -hmm. i think the women will kind of fall in place so to speak you are absolutely <laughs> right you're absolutely right that's not a very 
politically correct statement, no, but, but you're absolutely right. And this is it's where an observation for what it's it, it yeah. is an observation. And I want to put a caveat on here okay. because you are right. But uh, there's a bigger principle that makes that right. Right. Mm. And the bigger principle is that if we, I, I've started taking, um, my teaching out of the out of the realm of masculine and feminine simply because it's so fraught with misunderstanding these yeah. days. But if you feel for a moment that between a man and a woman in an intimate relationship, there can only be one of each, right? So in the in the in in the in the coupling, right? Within yourself, you have both. You have masculine and feminine. And I'll call them something else in a moment, which will make sense. But you have masculine, feminine within yourself. Your masculine is the part of you that provides direction, that follows a schedule, that has a bigger picture, that likes to push the edge. That's true for me as well. I have a very well-developed masculine, and I'm really good with schedules and things like that. That's my masculine. Yeah, and according to to Jung, uh, the older women and men become, the more they drift over to the opposite polarity. Exactly. Well, yes, and and I'll tell you why uh, in a moment. But okay. but I think it's it's innate in both human being in in both men and women to have both. And being trained well to do both makes you a highly functioning human yeah. being. The people I work with, I work with a few Hollywood actors and actresses, like A list actors and actresses, and a few very well known bands and musicians. People I work with. Their masculine and feminine are equally developed. Mm. They have a preference sexually, strongly, very strongly actually, but, but they are capable of both being very disciplined, very um, on purpose, on the edge, and wildly feeling chaotic and creative. And so I think high-performance individuals have it both. But for the sexual occasion... One person is the, the taker or ravisher, and one person is the surrendered or ravishy. Yeah, but does it have to be the same person all the time at all no, areas? No, not at all. That's exactly that's it can change. Exactly. That's what. Exactly. That's why I'm saying certain mm. certain concepts have been um, have to be refined because no, not at all. It could go both ways each mm. way, but. Uh, each time and in from moment to moment, from sexual occasion to sexual occasion, could completely shift back and forth. But not at the same time, at the same area. <laughs> Then we collide. <laughs> not at the same time, at the same area. And that's right. So if we just talk about the sexual thing, because you're saying men can get laid, women can't get a good man, uh, which is true. So the the important piece to feel here, and you were saying that men are responsible for that, and they are, and the reason they are is not because guys should be doing all the work and women are so perfect, <laughs> but because the principle of masculine and feminine could also be explained, and this is how I explain it these days, mm. as the organizing principle and the mm. pleasure principle. Mm. And so, so when you feel that, then you can feel that in a sexual or, you know, quasi-sexual, meaning an intimate relationship interaction, both of these principles have to be present. Yeah. And so the organizing principle is the principle that aligns the pleasure principle. The pleasure principle by itself, right, the feminine mm. by itself, 
it's just all over the place, sloppy, you know, eating cake and, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, making crumbs in bed and being chaotic and not knowing where it's going and not getting up in time and not paying the bills, mm -hmm. and, you know. Uh, but it's very pleasurable and light-filled and enjoyable and full and there's children's and animals and whatever. That's the pleasure. And very, very in the now. Very in the now. Present. Exactly. Mm. So the the organizing principle then essentially aligns or you could say pins the pleasure principle mm. uh, into a direction or into kind of a – you know, into a flow mm. that has a, that goes somewhere. So it's not just a wild puddle. It, it gets corralled into a river that flows somewhere. Within the banks of the um, organizing principle, the river, you know, the, the pleasure principle can be completely wild, but the edges are held. So when in a relationship, the man is the more um, masculine or holding the organizing principle, the woman's sorry, yeah. I have a wild <laughs> dog pack. Suddenly. I hear the pack is awakening. I have seven dogs, so wow. um, so the, um, the the pleasure principle gets aligned by the organizing principle. Could go both way. Could could be the man, could be the woman. But for most heterosexual couples, um, often uh, the man likes to be the one doing the the organizing principle for. Not all the time, but most mm. of the time. And the woman likes to be in the pleasure principle and, and be relaxed and open and flowing. Except that in the center domain, which is a feminine thing to find the center, yes. the woman is the organizer. And outside of that, you know, in the external world, exactly. traditionally, it's the man. <laughs> right. But in, sexually speaking, whoever does the penetrating is the organizing principle, yeah. right? And if you're heterosexual and you like the, uh, you, you like the uh, interaction to be that you're with a real man as a woman, so to speak, who doesn't tolerate a whole lot of, uh, you know, that, the, the, the complication in that particular moment, but pins, right? Women always have these fantasies. Now, Fifty Shades of Grey was the best selling book mm. ever. And what is it? It's a cheap, uh, uh, and when I'm saying cheap, an incomplete offering of the pin, right? Of the pinning down of the organizing principle. Don't you find it interesting that it's a female author? Well, yeah, I don't know if it's... You, you see the same in uh, in the classic uh, called uh, The Story of O, which is kind of the same subject. Right, exactly, yes. But it's much better written because... Uh, yes. but maybe we don't have to go into that. But yeah. you see, that is too a woman who wrote. And just to complete this reasoning, if you observe some classical books on sexuality within Esoterica, you find that mm -hmm. even though there's like 90% male authors, I see that those who write about sexuality and relationships in, in an esoteric, Western esoteric, metaphysical aspect are women. Of course. Like Dion Fortune. So, so this is interesting. This is very of interesting. Course. Could you uh, explain that for us? Well, it's the woman's, right? I mean, we're just going to say woman and man right yeah. now, but taking into, effect, into uh, account that some women are in fact masculine in their essence, but many are not. So... And, and all of these things can be applied the other way around mm. too. But so the, the feeling is a bit, um, of, um, 
let me explain this so that this makes sense. When you are a woman and you do all the things that most women do these days, which is, um, you know, still have children and, and take care of them and raise them, then go to work, make decisions, call the shots. Like you said, there's lots of beautiful, successful, well-actualized women out there who've done nothing but um given themselves the organizing principle, right? They have mm. organized their lives around achieving and around making money and around being beautiful and uh, attractive and well-read. And, and, and explore their orgasm with all exactly. kinds of gizmos. <laughs> all kinds of things. So that's, all, that's them husbanding themselves, so yeah, to speak, exactly. boyfriending themselves, fucking themselves would be another way of saying it. Right? Yeah, or dating their own animus instead of a man. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Because and so what that does is that comes from feeling that no one outside of ourselves can do it as good as we can, and that has sadly become very true. Which is what you're talking about, because the men have been forced into, and the men through these actions have been forced into the kind of behavior that doesn't make them very trustworthy yeah. anymore. Castrates. And yeah, yeah. And they're just, uh, oh, honey, whatever you want. And then she goes, <laughs> well, this is what I want. So she <laughs> is the organizing principle, which through the laws of polarity, right, the, mm. the laws of sexual attraction mean that any man who is with her will then have to assume the pleasure principle. Mm. So you have women with incredibly tight-run schedules and men who lay on the sofa and, you know, and enjoy themselves or out in nature or doing drugs or, what, or whatever, playing music. Playing computer games, big problem among the young. Playing computer games, right? They're doing the things that are within the pleasure principle. Mm. And the women are doing the things that are within the organizing principle because for a woman's body and for a woman's um, kind of psyche, uh, a certain kind of a safety or a container is very important. Yeah. So coming back to the 50 shades of gray, what we long for, this includes me, uh, what we long for is to be released from the tension of having to do it all ourselves. Right? That That's really what we long for so deeply because we intuit that surrender, right? Surrender into somebody else's organizing principle, surrender into somebody else's penetration physically, but also just by knowing where it's going, releases us from that tension of holding it all together. And I, I must inject here, and sexually, because of much of the sexual frustration I observe that women have with men today is because they can't trust him and because he's grown up thinking, I have to trick her to get what I want. Exactly. So she cannot relax, like you said, surrender. Yes. Now, ironically, if she surrendered, she would achieve the orgasm. But how can she? Because... She has to take responsibility because he takes no responsibility. Exactly. This is the trap we, we all fall into. Exactly. That is exactly the trap we're in. So, And she also thinks that he's not as good as she is at it, yeah. which he's probably <laughs> right. Not always. Right? And the tension of being in control becomes habitual. Yeah. Right? It becomes kind of an addiction. Uh, now women can no longer let go even though they want to, but their bodies and their minds are programmed to stay in control. So 
you know, then they have to go and do workshops on how to have an <laughs> orgasm and yeah, things yeah. like that. When if relaxation would occur, that would happen naturally. Yeah. Right? So, but it, it's a two-way street because, of course, if she can't trust somebody to take her these places, then she can't actually release uh, fully. And the trap, sadly, and this is why we come back to why is it the man's responsibility, the trap is that if you can release yourself, it's not... You know, it's not a complete release. There is ways to release yourself completely, but when you have to organize your own release, there's always a part of you that has one foot out the door as a woman, yeah. right? And keeping an eye on things. So we do need a man to, so to speak, obliterate us, you know, to press into us, to pin us. And um, sexually speaking, now this doesn't mean you have to surrender your life or your no. direction in business or, or the children or anything, just sexually mm. speaking, that the surrender can only happen when uh, the safety is there, the trust is there, and the penetration is deep, deeper than our own. So cut to 50 shades of gray. Mm. Um, and other, you know, like you said, other women writing and even in the more mystical traditions, the tradition in the tradition I was raised to begin with, there's a very strong emphasis placed on the. It's a female lineage, but in that female lineage, there is an initiator, there's a man that initiates, right? That, that does the final transmission through the releasing of the female practitioner into not only bodily bliss, but also knowledge, mm -hmm. right? That uh, it's, a, it's a very beautiful alchemical shamanic kind of a process when that happens. And how that looks then in the uh, McDonald's pop culture <laughs> uh, kind of a way is Fifty Shades of Grey, it's a, a description of a man being powerful, right, which is equated with trust, wealthy, which is equated with the ability to be trustworthy, right, and have a purpose in a direction. Why money is important in, you know, in the Christian gray world and in, in many women's world is it signifies uh, a man's ability to stay with it, follow through. Yeah, it's a symbol. It's a symbol. And it, it signifies safety. It signifies uh, the ability to make something happen, to have a direction, to have a purpose, yeah. power, right? So, so the ability to have a direction and a purpose generates the trust that then in the Fifty Shades of Grey gets translated into allowing herself to be tied up. Now, why tying up so interesting to people or to women is because it removes you from the necessity to do something. And when you do something every day, all day, constantly, the fact that you can't do something, and then even if you struggle, so to speak, within the consent, of course, right, with, no, 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 I still have to make some phone calls, but no, you are in shackles, so to speak, right? You're told what to do. You are you are made to submit lovingly, of course, right? This isn't some nasty, you know, uh, do as I say. No, we're talking principally and philosophically. Principally, yes. And sexually. But sexually. You know, all these disclaimers you're coming with are unfortunately also required because there's so many. They are very and, and get it, males exactly. who don't get it. Yeah. Exactly. Well, once again, also females. I mean, there's a lot of women who like to be handled very roughly because it numbs them, 
Yes, but my point is that a female seeing the film or reading the book, she doesn't go out and, I mean, a man who doesn't get it, he could go out and, you know, try forcing himself upon a woman because he doesn't get it. So, exactly, but women go out and they trust the wrong man. They, yeah. some, they surrender to the to weak men or, or to bad or psychos, men. You know. any, or psychos, because any taste of this is better than nothing, right? So it goes both ways. Yeah, I see what you mean. But yeah. what's so important and why women are writing this and um, is that what you have to understand about a woman's body is that a woman's body through evolution learns through resonance. It learns through assimilation. So, you know, when I do women's workshops, we always in the beginning sit together in a big circle and you can feel in a very short period of time that circle coalesces and it almost pulses together because women's bodies will synchronize not only menstruation. in yeah, in menstruation, but also just in the way they breathe and the way they feel each other. Yeah. And so we learn through feeling other women and seeing other women and, and hearing other women. So when somebody is um, writing about these things and writing about the release and writing about surrender and writing about being uh, guided by a man way deeper than she can guide herself, every woman who reads that can feel that in her body. It's like it's a transmission. Like a transmission. All of our vows are free and will remain free. If you like the show, you can show support by donating $1 to help with expenses. Just use the PayPal link on our website, YouTube channel, or Facebook page. Thanks. And so one of the reasons why Fifty Shades of Grey, and I I grew up with the story of O, which... uh, I found in a drawer somewhere at my parents' house and, you know, at a probably younger age than I should have, yeah. but, and, and loved it for that exact reason. I back then, you know, and I was, but, but that book, I must add, is uh, so much deeper than Fifty Shades because, oh, yeah, because it course. contains, it contains actually a mystery drama. <laughs> And that's the amazing part. It does. It, it does. It, you know, that's why I'm saying Fifty Shades of Grey is the bubblegum yeah. McDonald's <laughs> yes. version of yes. the story of O, while the story of O is a good six-course French meal. Uh, and the story of O don't have one dirty word in it. No, no, because it doesn't have to. It's so indirect. It's so subtle, right? And, yeah. But so yes. strong. And, um, and ten times more brutal and raw than Fifty Shades. Yes, because it, it deals with actual surrender, not the bubblegum version of it. Exactly. Right? And, and without getting too new agey or woo-woo, <laughs> the reason why surrender feels so good is that at the end of that tunnel, so to speak, is God, right? However you understand God is yeah. the divine, is that moment of oneness with everything, which we you know yearn for so very deeply. And so where sexuality and she- sexual yoga and masculine and feminine become uh, a much deeper exploration, like you said, story of always is a mystery, right? Um, that whole area is a mystery. It can't be completely explained. It, it has ever 
ever deepening layers, right? Once, once you can be a good lover, you know, once let's say you no longer come in three minutes, then the next door opens. And then, you know, you think you've achieved something there and now the next door opens and the next door opens mm. and it's an endless, uh, you know, it's like these endless mirrors where, where you see, you know, back and yeah. forth in this mirror yeah. and it's incredibly beautiful. And it's, um, <clears throat> it's a mystery, right? It's, it's the human mystery played out in a man and a woman in a, in a, in a union, you know, and, and then the pulling apart again into the two different principles and then the coming back and merging. And, and so, you know, it's, it's easy to cheapen it down to, well, you know, women are this and men are this, but the, the deeper layer of the 50 shades of gray or the story of, oh, is the surrender to the divine, right? The surrender to, uh, the organizing principle that frees a woman. Mm. And then on the man's side, the, the having that purpose, the having the, uh, direction, the being able to penetrate that deeply is hugely empowering, you know? beautifully empowering mm. man who knows where he's going. And, and the more, the most important thing we haven't spoken about this yet is the most important thing is a man who no longer needs to please his mother, mm. you know, in, in each woman he meets is incredibly attractive and sexy, but that's where the trouble lies, right? When women don't trust their men and then they start demanding things and schooling them and telling them what to do. It's a, it's, it's where relationships break down. One thing that we didn't talk about is, you know, I've been a relationship counselor for 22 no. years. I've seen, I've spent, uh, my, the first 20 years in, in the U.S. seeing clients pretty much every hour on the hour, you know, eight, eight hours a day, five days a week. And then, you know, eventually started teaching on the weekends. And then my schedule now is, is not like that anymore. But are you still, uh, open for being booked? Yeah, and yeah. Stuff? I still, uh, work with clients. Mm. Um, and I still, uh, use that knowledge gained in 20 years of counseling couples and, and working with people individually on relationship areas for, you know, for what I teach because. Excellent. It's uh, it's the same story over and over and over and over, which is the moment a woman tells a man what to do, she's the one penetrating, so to speak. And now he's in a really, really difficult position because if he does what she tells him to do, he's become her bitch, so to speak. Well, to say or that, her son. Or her son. That was the second thing I was going to say. Oh, okay. Her bitch or her little boy, right? <laughs> yeah. So those are the two words. Those are the only two options. If he's not doing what she's saying, then he's just some asshole who is difficult. Yeah, he's contrary, which is also right? a kind of drama thing. Which is, uh, it's not very masculine. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. No, and so the so it 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 presents men with a real issue, because on one end you want to, you know, I mean nobody sets out to agonize your partner, but. If you do, and this is where the woman's role in the in the changing of these dynamics come in, right? It's not all the men. It is the men, but it's not all the men. Because if a woman knows that she sets her man up to failure when she tells him what to do, because mm. if he does what she tells him to do, she no longer respects him sexually. Let me just interject, more colloquially speaking, this is what people refer to as shit tests. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yes. Women giving the man shit yes. to see how he deals with exactly. it. Exactly, and if he mm. deals with it... By subconsciously often. Subconsciously often, 
Well, we are built for that because that's how we stay safe, right? We're constantly making sure that you can still keep your shit together. Yeah, it's biological, So that even. you're all safe. It's biological. It has nothing to do with psychology. It's just, no. um, you know, can you be trusted? And but, but it's a setup when it comes in the form of, I need you to do this. Then if he does it, he's now her little boy. Mm. And if he doesn't do it, then he's an asshole or, or contrary or whatever else there is. So the, the first and foremost and, and, and just most important thing a man can do for himself is to come to terms with the fact that pleasing a woman isn't actually possible. No, <laughs> no because speak. it's a never-ending road. It is a never-ending road. <laughs> the goalpost is moved. You, you think you're at the top of the hill? Oh, my God, there's a new hill behind there. Always. <laughs> exactly. And, and because we are bottomless, yes. right? Fortunately. And that bottomlessness is, is, is a trap, right? But it's not just a trap. I mean, it's the universe. It's, it is uh, the universe. It's eternity. But the universe is a trap, right? <laughs> <laughs> I get it, yes. <laughs> and so so the, the, the thing to feel and the thing that is the most important, and that to me is the, the, the new man's movement beyond even yeah. uh, the way of the superior man and anything that has come, but the new man's movement is men finding a center within themselves where they don't have to please anyone. Yes. Right? And meaning anyone outside uh, that makes it there. Hang on. Are you referring to this movement about men going their own way or whatever it's called? These guys who, who boycott women? No, I don't know anything about okay. that. Uh, what I'm talking about is in relationship, what makes a man incredibly trustworthy is when he is on his path and he can't be swayed. Yes. Right? So if my husband... My husband right now, you know, is, is traveling as he does most of the year. If my, and he's traveling for work. And, uh, if my husband travels for work and he has this very specific, um, agenda for the last year, he, he went through a, a bit of a, he had some physical, physical issues. And so he's out of them for a year and he really set himself a very strong goal. Mm. And, that goal requires that he travels a lot and that he spends a lot of time doing what he needs to be doing. If I can distract him from that by complaining that he's not contributing in the household or he's not here or he's leaving me with extra work and he stops and just does what I say so that I'm not upset, I cannot trust him that he's actually pursuing his life and his goal, mm. right? But if he just ignores me, I'm going to go, well, you don't even care about the relationship or the house or the animals or anything like that. It's a magical balance, isn't it? It's a magical balance. And the balance, and this is what I mean with being on his own, his own free man. Mm. What I need from my husband and what women report they want from their man is that he makes a decision based on other considerations than just trying to shut me up or please me. Yeah. Yeah. He makes a consideration based on his path, where he's going, what the relationship is all about, what's best for everyone involved. And he might say no, knowing that I will get very mad, but he can stay with it because he has the integrity within himself. Mm. Uh, when I discovered, I, I discovered coincidentally mm -hmm. how extremely powerful it is to say no 
to a woman. Absolutely. That's what I'm talking about. I mean, I was shocked because it was just a very trivial thing. It was about, actually, it was just about hanging up a poster. And we were, we had four hands on that poster. Mm -hmm. Two of them are mine. And she said, this is a very good place to hang it. And I, <laughs> I took the poster and I moved it out of her hands and up to another area. And I said, no, this is the area to hang it. And this is the first time uh, I realized this. After that, she was like a puppy. The whole day, she was dancing around me, craving my attention. Yeah. And, I, yeah. I, and I had to analyze it uh, until I realized what had happened. That little, little detail. Bam. Yeah, exactly. So what that is, is she pushed against you. You held your ground. Yeah. And she could relax because she knew that you knew where you, what you were doing. But I didn't hold my ground to be contrary or to no, impress her. because it was the right thing to do. Yes, it was sincere. Exactly. I, I said, no, this is objectively the best place to hang it. Yes. So let's hang it there. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's the thing. You can't have your ego involved. No. You can't be just, it's my way or the highway, right? Exactly. That's the psychopath. Exactly. It has to be within what I'm talking about, you being a freestanding man, making your own decisions without being afraid of the punishment or the nagging or the upset yeah. when you are free, when you're not just doing it because you wanted to shut up or you wanted your way, when you're free in your expression, it is incredibly calming. It is so yeah. wonderful. I can't even, I can't, there's no way to describe this to a man. Really. You have to see it and you saw it, right? Yeah. The, the deep relaxation and the happiness that comes into a woman's body when there's a firm um, boundary provided that she can relax against. Mm. Now, it might turn out when you start saying no in the bigger picture in a relationship that maybe you're not aligned and then the relationship must end. Because right? mm. mm. um, if you've like been the mommy's boy and the people's pleaser and you're just doing what she tells you to do and one day you find the strength to go, no, that's actually not in anybody's best interest. Mm. Right? One of the things that happens a lot is that women become quite addicted to their schedules and their calendar because it is a, it's a substitute for the penetration. Mm. And mm. so it's like, no, no, let me just do this one more thing. Let me just, uh, you know, you don't understand. I have this much to do. You need to wait. You know, I need to do this. And then you get into a bit of a martyr thing where it takes on a life of its own. Right? Mm. If a man then goes, okay, 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 she's going to get mad if I say something. And, 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 and he supports that. He's making it worse. But if he can feel something like, wow, this is not good for her. Mm. She needs to stop. Um, she's way beyond in, in her stress level and her body. And then you set a firm boundary, not because you are annoyed by her, but because it's much better for everyone involved if she stops now, then you stop her. Mm. You know? mm. uh, when you say that, you used yourself as an example with your husband. He's out traveling and stuff. It reminds me also of what Esther Perel said, you know, this uh, Italian... Um, I know who she is, yeah. yeah, yeah. Just, I just heard her speak. Uh, we, were, uh, we were on a ship in, in the Caribbean speaking at the same uh, summit. And, um, and uh, so I, I just recently heard her. Yeah, we're going to interview her too. And she, she has a very good uh, sentence, uh, slogan. It goes like this. Uh, 
Love seeks closeness, but desire needs space to thrive. And this is the paradox that I think ruins so many, contributes to ruin so many relationships. Right. Right. People don't can't manage that. In the beginning, it's so exciting. Oh, we just find each other. We don't know each other. It's a little forbidden. There's tension. There's a high sexual attractivity, but there's not necessarily so much developed love because I don't really look at infatuation as as real love. It's a, it's a spark. But but then you know, fast forward five years or something, and we know everything about each other, and we're very close, but somehow the you know, the excitement, <laughs> the Fifty Shades. She dreams mm-hmm. of Fifty Shades. He dreams of, I don't know, so porn movie. And, <laughs> and mm-hmm. neither of them, you know, th- this I think is also connected to the masculine and feminine. It is. Um, I say it a bit different than, than Esther Perel, but it's the exact same uh, concept. Yeah, let's hear your version. So how I look at this is that there's different aspects to the interaction, right? So there is relationship and relationship is always built on sameness. So the more you have in common, the better your relationship. And what that means is um, that if you meet someone and you share you know, common interests, friends, education, love for animals, whatever, right? The, the sameness makes for the relationship. Even in a working relationship, you work in the same place and that's what makes yeah. the relationship. Or, or friends. Or friends, exactly. Mm. So relationship is always built on having things in common. Mm. So it's coming as close together and having as many things to, together as possible. Polarity requires maximum separation because polarity is the science of positive and negative, dark and light, masculine and feminine, right? Opposite poles. Mm -hmm. And the further the poles apart, the greater the arc of attraction, the spark of attraction. Mm. So people go opposite attract sexually, right? Mm. And like and like makes for good loving relationship. So, um, in one of my, actually that talk on that ship, I was saying that when people say things like, oh, I married my best friend, what that usually means, they no longer have sex. Yeah. <laughs> right? There was a great laughter in the audience there because yeah. I explained that exact uh, principle yeah. because polarity is is um, based on the two people in the relationship for the sake of sex being very very different and so that would mean one person is extremely pleasure driven feminine one person is extremely purpose driven masculine and when those two people have that space between them by the difference there's a strong arc of sexuality which is why it's always great in the beginning and which it's often really sexy with people who you don't really like because it's the polarity Mm. now the good news is <laughs> polarity can be learned. All I do is essentially travel around and teach people how to have polarity. But these are polarity can be learned. You can train your body to 
um, assume the posture of the feminine, so to speak, to assume the posture of the masculine, to make your bodies very different. And then polarity is like, it's like magic. It just happens. Mm. And I think one of the most rewarding things is, you know, sometimes I work with people who've been married for 20 years and you teach them these principles and suddenly they have these hot sex lives like teenagers. Mm-hmm. But it's much harder to find somebody with whom to have good relationship. Yeah. Yeah, than good sex. Than good sex, right? Yeah. So love you can't learn. Love and, se- and that, that sameness and that connection that you can't learn, that happens. That's by the grace, you yeah. know, of, of what, what your life is about, that you find somebody with whom you can sink in and connect and spend your life with. Mm. Sex, sexual polarity is a learnable skill. Now, we don't learn it because we're not educated in those realms. Other mystery schools and, and, and traditions do teach sex for that sake. It's just a skill like playing tennis or, you know, anything else. But so where people make the mistake is that they get to know each other. It's very exciting. They have a great sexual spark because they don't know each other that well. You often hear people say, women particularly have said to me, God, he makes me feel like a girl. I'm like so excited and soft. <laughs> and, you know, and the guy goes, oh, you know, I feel like a man. I, you know, she's so responsive to me. And it's amazing. And they have great sex. And then what happens is you want to spend more and more and more and more and more time together. Mm. And... um you become closer and closer and closer and it's like magnets rubbing off, right? When you rub a a, a North and a South Pole together long enough, they lose their charge. And so people become more and more close and they move in together. Then they're on the sofa, they're always touching, they're talking about everything at all times. There's no more distance. Yeah. And then they lost the sexual charge. They might be deeply loving, or not, right? Then there's resentment and all other kinds of stuff that kicks in. That's more of the psychological nature. If it's been poisoned, yes, yes. And it's been poisoned, the mm. relational dynamics. In any relationship, there's, you know, there's men, there's the woman, or two women, two men. And then there's the relationship as a third entity. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but besides from that, the, the loving part and the connection and sameness part sustains people but they don't know how to recreate that sexual polarity and that's where the you know the man needs to be manly and the woman needs to be womanly comes in not as a stereotype but just because when sexual interaction happens there have to be differences and also there can only be one hard person one soft person one penetrator one penetratee could go back and forth you can shift it but there can only be one of each yeah yeah, right. Well, you know, in the in the ancient traditions, they refer to these. Uh, they say that there's basically two. Well, we, you know, you can like like one of my teachers said. He said you can divide a cake into as many bits as you want, but it's still the same cake. <laughs> but let's say we we divide it into four bits. Mm-hmm. Then you have two feminine archetypes and two masculine. Now, <clears throat> the two feminine would be what they refer to as earth, which is the sensational aspects of the feminine, the what you said to, you know, to enjoy, to perceive, to, to be in the moment, to appreciate your senses. Then there's the water aspect, which is the emotions, you know, the, mm. mm-hmm. the, the, the ocean, the, the ebb and flow, the waves. 
Then you have the two masculine archetypes. And, and of course, we all have this. Both gender have all these four in them. You have the mentality, which is, is air, which is the yeah. arranging principle, the, the analyzing, the, the yeah. organizing, the in- intelligence, the understanding. Mm-hmm. And then you have the, the fire, which is the last masculine, which is the will or the intuition, the creation, yeah. you know, to action. No, interesting thing is that women... When they're born, they have a kind of inherent, intelligent understanding of water and earth. Yes. And, and they are attracted to fire and air because they want to explore it. And at some point, usually midlife, they start to handle it, master it. It may be before, it may never be, but you know. So what I said earlier in our conversation that females shift over to... Uh, they can start to identify. This is what Jung also described with, you know, the animus and anima concept. Yes. We don't have time to get into that today. So, and the males, they often have to then learn to appreciate the water and the earth to, you know, not just career, not just uh, materialism, money, whatever. Now they have to start to accept uh, emotions as an important thing like data talks about here to understand mm-hmm. the emotions and uh, to appreciate them and also to you know be present and just like the woman has to get her sensation uh, arranged her enjoyment uh, organized the man has to learn to stop and appreciate that and to to feel and to be present you see what i mean yeah so so it's 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 a part of this polarization only the ancients used more symbolic and Mm -hmm. more magical descriptions for this yes but they the descriptions are accurate in in uh in the way that our bodies relate to it, right? And I think it's quite beautiful to, I've never heard it said the way you just said it, but it makes a lot of sense um, in, in the elemental nature of it. And, um, and, and the, um, you know, the important piece there, again, and I think this is, this is very important always, is that there has to be a certain kind of love and respect and reverence for the, for the um, differences, Right and uh, for the different expressions that come through the emotions versus the mind, and it's become a little bit, at least in the states, it has become a little bit like um, almost a tool of suppression. Right, that uh, the the women are down on the man's intellects and making fun of the, how narrow-minded they are, and you know, and and things like that. And I think it's very important to understand that. All elements are needed, right? And all elements need to be integrated. And it's actually... And balanced, actually. And balanced. And it's actually a gift. I'm going to speak about myself again to not put these words into anybody else's mouth. But I'm 48 and um, I've pretty much achieved most of what I wanted to achieve career-wise. And, um, you know, as far as... uh, the things that I was able to do, the places I was able to travel, the incredible privilege I have teaching worldwide, you know, meeting people everywhere. And, and, and so I, and, and, you know, teaching of course is a very directed, penetrative kind of a, kind of a activity. Mm. So I definitely spend a lot of my time in the mind and uh, doing domain. 
And then I get to go home and I live on a farm in, in California with, as you heard, many, many dogs uh, and, <laughs> yeah. and donkeys and horses. And, and I grow avocados and I have a, wow. a you know, sustainable, sustainable vegetable garden and my own well water and um, beautiful fruit and, and an incredible oh. environment. So then I get to be with the earth and yeah. I get to be with the water and I get to... Uh, um, sink into that, uh, you know, and, and have it both, have the deep, strong feeling and have the ability to wield, um, you know, let's say power in the world. Mm. And um, one isn't better than the other. You know, one isn't worse than the other. And it's important to not make these categorizations of, oh, you shouldn't be in your masculine or mm. you're too fiery. It's a matter of welcoming and embracing it all mm. so that it can be used like an instrument. Yeah, and, I, and I'd venture it that if you would be too airy or watery or fiery, the, the solution isn't to quench exactly. and suppress exactly. what you got too much of. It is to find what you got too little of and boost that. That's exactly right. And there we come back to where we started out talking about the herbal and Ayurvedic principles or the principles of Taoism or you know Chinese yeah. medicine. That's exactly what you do. You bring up and further and coax the element that is uh, suppressed and not kill off the other elements mm. and th that taking that as a metaphor for relationship i think it's very important um, this brings us back to granting everybody their pieces to support all the pieces and bring up the ones that are missing for the optimal relational and sexual interaction you know? mm. and not squish the other ones or make them bad mm. Um, it's interesting, you know, uh, people listening to us now, they, they will follow our philosophical talk. But I think that if you have a very deep understanding of the principles of the genders, I always begin there. I always recommend people to begin that to understand the principle of masculinity and femininity, because if you do that, then you can you don't even basically you don't even need to to read you you can meditate or or ponder or explore or experience yourself into understanding these things because everything begins with because everything that follows from the beginning is kind of logical i'll i'll suggest just a very simple uh, exercise to the readers and that everybody knows the symbol of mars and venus now if you look at mars you have the circle and the arrow that grows out of the circle. Now, to understand masculinity, all you have to do is just put that arrow into the circle. And what do you have? Yeah, you have an arrow that wants to break out of the border, of the limit. Like you talked about earlier today, you said the masculine wants to expand, it wants to go beyond the horizon, you know, to the borders classical expansion explosive it's it's centrifugal that's the masculine uh, uh, energy in a nutshell in both of us mm -hmm. then you have the venus symbol which is a circle and a cross under the circle now bring that cross into the circle just like you did with the arrow and you have 
actually a very old symbol called rota, but you have then uh, a cross in a circle. You have the mid- middle point, which is what the fe- feminine seeks. It seeks to center stuff. It seeks to collect it together. It seeks to balance. Uh, it seeks the, the centripetal, the... the, the um, implosion <laughs> rather than the explosion and I think I think the four elements we talked about and the two genders we talked about we all have to, to balance I know it sounds like a cliche a new age cliche but it has very practical ramifications when you understand it and go into it mm-hmm. what's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, I would say it differently, but it's beautifully said. Um, the way I describe it and, and feel it for myself very strongly is that the masculine principle in both men and women, but, you know, in general, most men are more masculinely based, is emptiness, right? It's it's complete emptiness. It's going towards emptiness, going towards death, which is another thing we can talk about in a yep. second. Mm. Um, while the the woman's woman's biological and also the feminine's um, uh, movement is towards fullness, right? Mm. Like mm. you said, sucking the things in, bringing them like a, like a force, like almost like a black hole, you know? Or nurturing, I would say. Like yeah, no, no. I mean, I'm saying this in a bad way. Like when you have a child in your room exactly well that's what i was gonna say i was gonna say like sucking it in and then in the in the fullest way pregnancy right fullness most women are incredibly when they're um connected with that incredibly happy when they're pregnant because it's ultimate fullness right but but it is a it's a black hole as in there can never be enough fullness right you can always (laughs) be more and more and more and more and Mm. actually that the, the you know the force of the attraction makes it more and more and more and so fullness in all ways in the simplest as far as you know many pairs of shoes and makeup and, <laughs> and clothes and in the most esoteric the, the the you know the bearing a child and yeah. and being full of the universe mm. is is the is the is the woman's and, and the feminine principle while uh, the masculine principle is going towards the very edge, towards death, right? The closer you can get to death in a practice. And conquer it. And conquer it, the more blissful you will feel. So women's bliss is fullness, men's bliss is emptiness. And once again, um, when I come back from having taught six weeks on the road like I just did, I um, want emptiness as well, right? Because I'm, I'm, I, I need my my masculine needs a break. And then the moment I had a bit of emptiness, then I want fullness again. It's like, can I get another dog? Can I, you know, it's like that kind of a feeling of more love. The more love, the better, right? Or, or make your husband come home from his travels. That too, yes. But <laughs> to get fullness. To get, to get fullness, right? Like, yeah, in, engage, be relational. Yeah. Um, you know, talk about things, be, invite friends over, spend a lot of time together. That's my, that's my fullness. And, um, but, but also it could be that he comes home from his travel and he needs emptiness, which is by the way, how a lot of relationships start going south. That when my husband comes home and we live on, um, we live on the same property, but in separate buildings. He oh, might need a day or two for that reason, right? Mm-hmm. He might need a day or two to um, just do nothing and have nothing to do before I put my fullness back there. 
And we've learned that about each other. And nowadays that works quite good. It didn't always, right? Because I do the same thing. Any, you know, I'm like, you're home. Let's talk. Let's get, you know, <laughs> let's exchange. And he'd be like, oh God, I've just been teaching for four weeks. I need, a, I need to be quiet, right? And so we do things, um, apart when he goes motorcycle riding and does some fairly extreme sport things. And that's how he gets to emptiness. And, yeah. and meditation, of course, is, um, you know, is a movement towards emptiness. Drinking is a movement towards emptiness. Yeah. Um, watching sports for many men is a movement towards emptiness. Um, and, you know, those are the, those were once again, the superficial ways to create yeah. Uh, emptiness, drinking sports, and then women shopping, hanging with the girlfriends, talking endlessly, eating ice cream. You know, those are substitutes for the real thing, which is to be found in the human sexual interaction, mm. right? Where mm. the, the man and the occasion um, comes as close to death in his consciousness while penetrating and the woman uh, gets completely full because she's being penetrated by the consciousness of the universe, not just by a man's genitals, right? And so that's then what makes for incredible sexual experiences. And most people have that ever so often spontaneously, but you can train for that. You can learn that. Um, that's a skill that can be acquired yeah. where the depth of the consciousness and the depth of life or life force or, you know, pleasure or whatever nature come together and they play as a man and a woman mm. yeah and you have um, you have that uh, symbolized in the you know in the sacred feminine of the grail yes that is receiving the from above the holy water and and when uh, Data says that the feminine is abundant. Yes. That's it. It's the, it's a grail floating over. Yes. But I have to say that, um, first of all, people, you, you, when you get this book, and you should get it, you will see that even though me and Michaela here are philosophizing and, and talking principally uh, very much, you'll see that this book is very down to a uh, very concrete very practical like this is what you should do this is not so smart and it explains why but m further than that i would say to you michaela that many people will think that okay they are talking about these luxury subjects of uh, love and sex and while the world is suffering and blah 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 but actually if people as many people as possible would do these things would get these things uh, it would change the world because uh, what we see now is the opposite. We see that there's a lot of people who actually, I don't know if you know about Willem Reich. I do, of course. Yes, of course, <laughs> right? And he, he was a genius yes. because he was one of the first who connected. He talks about the origins of fascism. Mm -hmm or fundamentalism, if you want, this alienation of your own nature, of your own body, and it, it leads to the impotence of the male. It's the functions of the orgasm. They get frustrated, they become impotent, and they take out, and they become sadistic, uh, psychosocial sadists. And this manifests then in a fiendish, cold society. And you see that in uh, so many households. You have the male, like you say, he... 
lies in the sofa or he goes uh, or he he's with the boys but he's completely alienated from his woman and his woman she's frustrated she's not satisfied and both of them find substitutes for the misery and suffering their uh, the pain inside and they take it out then in very destructive uh, social mm. political manifestations it, it creates a very cold society so uh, if people would learn to even if they read this book they practice that or they go to someone like you you know the the courses you have or the consultations and they start to connect however they do this it will change the whole personality it will change the outlook the understanding and it will also at the end of the day it will change how people relate to each other and it will change the world actually because that's how important sexuality and love is in my view mm -hmm. what do you think about that i agree absolutely you know i think um all of these things um can be seen through the lens of how close you are to your natural you know to your natural however you want to call it essence right and the further you are away the more suppressed and and uh, perverted things become you know and i think um you just said that beautifully in the biggest way in the fascistic way but even in the small ways you know the the not being full and not allowing for fullness being perverted into shopping and eating and gossiping and mm. you know and uh, the not not being able or, to or, or I have one iota of power and you come to me like I'm a public servant whatever right and I abuse that exactly exactly now you you have you have no power anywhere except in your job so mm. all your thrust all your direction all your penetration comes out in giving out parking tickets or whatever you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that happens a lot and it happens a lot in relationship when when those um darker areas are not tended to now we haven't really spoken about yet that yet and it's probably the shadow oh yes the shadow and also the darker realms of sexuality which are not the same as the shadow mm. the light has that the light uh, realms of sexuality also have a shadow right and the dark realms of sexuality have a shadow but yeah. the shadow of course you know i'm union trained to begin with and the shadow and everything that comes with it is a very important piece that's more a psychological um, exploration in the midst of the polarity piece. The polarity piece can be applied no matter what. Mm. And it has a very beautiful um, natural intelligence that straightens things out. Right? And then you'll deal with shadows and stuff like that. But in, a, in the not so much shadow domain, but in the domain of... Um, spanning the light, the spectrum of light and dark, how one can look at sexual relationship or intimate relationship is that there's the relationship part, the sameness, right? Then there's mm. the polarity part, which is the pulling apart of the masculine and feminine for the sake of then playing with great erotic friction is what they call it in my tradition, mm -hmm. you know, with great erotic friction as two separates. Then you have moments of merging where you come together as one, right? Then you're being pulled apart. Mm. But, 
how polarity and how the interaction between uh, the two partners plays out is that the first piece is always being present with each other. So the way I teach it in the workshop is the first thing we establish is mutual presence, being with each other, looking at each other, um, eye contact, touch, uh, breath, things of that nature. Mm. The next piece, and that's the important piece, is the opening of the heart, which we haven't talked about yet. No. Right? The availability, the vulnerability, the um, disclosing of one's underbelly, so to speak, right? Mm. The, only then are all these practices, even S&M and bondage and whatever, any, any, um, any use is when the heart is involved. Mm. Right? Before mm. sex, before polarity, before masculine, feminine is, are you able to love? Are you able to be as love? And that's why it's so important. And these things can't be written about. They have to be done. That you tenderize your body to become an instrument of love. Mm. You know, that you work against the closures and the, the, the postures in your body that you have accumulated because you've been hurt. Yeah. Uh, and then when you have been able to open the heart to somebody and you can be staying present, meaning you're concentrated in the attention on the other person, not masculine presence, both people have to be present, yeah. right? just being with each other, the heart being open, then you play with polarity, masculine and feminine. Mm. And then the final piece I teach that, that then... Um, offers a spectrum within the masculine and feminine is dark and light from dark to light, you know? And yeah. so that's then the flavors. It's like spices, mm. you know? So you can have a dark masculine or a medium masculine or a light masculine, you know, and the feminine, a dark feminine, like, like a more full bodied, dark um, uh, expression versus a very angelic, um, innocent expression, mm, mm. but they're all needed, right? And so when people are deprived of the darker expressions of their sexuality, that's when they usually become kinked or violent or fascist, right? Mm. Is because that, and it can go really horrible. Uh, frigid in women, impotent in men. Exactly. And uh, frigid in women and also, you know, you can see it in, in what people watch. Like, for instance, to me, Game of Thrones is a classic, I, I'm assuming you've seen it. I, I love Game of Thrones. I, I hope do that, too. I believe okay. me. I've got on the kit. <laughs> uh, my uh, European co-teacher introduced me to Game of Thrones and I was disappeared for a week and a half. Right. But Game of Thrones is so popular because it supplies that darker, more violent sexual charge that mo most people don't get in their relationships. Now, it doesn't mean you don't want you want to maim and kill, but it's just a bit of a flavor, you know, there's no salt when you have no salt. You start craving salt. Mm. And so when you don't have a little bit of that loving violence, so to speak, right? That loving taking and, and tussling, you start looking for it in outside things. So Game of Thrones is fantastic that way. Or people start watching things on the news, you know, about rapists and violence. And it's like, oh God, that's horrible. But somewhere in the body, there's they're a little attracted. bit of a taste. Mm. Or also, you know, the kind of porn people watch says a lot about what they're not getting in their relationship. It's if it's if you're missing spices. So one of the actual bodily educations in the realm of sexual yoga is to. 
have a wide repertoire of spices, so to speak, that mm. you can give your partner ever so often. Most people don't need a lot of it, right? Most people don't want to live a 50 shades of gray lifestyle. They just ever so often want that. Mm. And so you learn how to artfully, even just through a look or a touch or a word, right? Do that. And the other person's, like you were saying, with you, you move the, the, the poster over, you give a little bit of a clear direction and immediately everything softens and it's just so good. And it's, mm. it's, that's, that's the, the gift and the generosity that we can give each other when we're not insisting on having gender wars. Yeah, you're you're exactly right, and and I, I, what you say brings my mind to as a psychologist, you know very well that when children play, uh, they kind of develop. It's a kind of development practice playing. But what most people don't realize is that we never stop. It's just that when we are adults, uh, th these games, these plays are called sex. Yes. And so uh, they don't realize what a huge healing potential exists in sex. And it, But what do they do? They condemn themselves for their issues coming out in sex because it, does, it, it can't come out anywhere else. So it comes out in sex and then they feel bad at top of it <laughs> instead of yeah. doing like you say if, if the heart because you can't heal if, if you don't have a heart in it you know exactly. what kind of healing is there without a heart right there isn't and so when people go to bondage clubs or something you know they get a they get a hit of something but it's not it's not the full thing because the no, not always there is people who are very heart centered in that area but if you're not, then you're just reliving some kink from your, you know, that, that started. Some, in some trauma, childhood. some issue. Exactly. Yeah. And that, and that brings us back to not all Tantra workshops are created equal or however you want to say that. <laughs> um, yeah. of course, a lot of people who tend towards the sexual exploration had sexual trauma. And yeah. so it's very, very important to, um, observe if the living out of certain things is just scratching an itch or reliving some kind of a um, early traumatization in a more spiritual fashion or in a more you know socially hip fashion or if you and there and there's people who can do some good healing in that way mm. um, and there's people who can't and it's also important to understand that not all of these explorations lead to healing. Some of these things uh, can be quite injurious. Yeah, and push borders and it can be worse and worse and worse yeah. and become an obsession. Yeah, and and also there's something to be said when you are healthy in that domain, you can, you know, you use these explorations yogically and not therapeutically. But mm. if you had issues in that domain, you have to use them therapeutically and with care and with, uh, you know, um, a, a tendency towards stopping and and waiting and healing and taking time and processing. While if you are kind of into um pro sports right if you if you are an athlete um you wouldn't necessarily train like that you would mm. train to the to maximum capacity but for that you have to have a healthy body and in that case you know a healthy sexual body so the same techniques that can be used to traumatize somebody could be used to heal somebody mm. and um uh, it could also be used to make somebody a, a peak athlete you know but those are different things mm. 
Wonderful, wonderful. I wish we could continue. I know, we need to do another one at some point. <laughs> let's, this is the balance of be, being in the now and thinking about organizing an arrangement. So yes, we have yes. to move from the feminine to the masculine. But tell me one last thing. When is your book out, do you think? Uh, probably mid-year. Probably, oh, okay. um, I would say, um, I just uh, put my first uh, complete draft in. And um, I would think that um, it's now being edited and all of that. And I'll probably do some rewrites. Um, I finished everything over the mm. holidays. So probably mid-year. Um, there's also a whole bunch of new things coming on my website um, and uh, also an ongoing podcast being released uh, next week mm. that touches on some of these things and, and uh, also on uh, some of the more far out um, mm. things. We'll, we'll put up links in your uh, guest presentation so yeah. people can find everything. Great. Now, I hope you realize that we need to get you back when the book is out. Of course, <laughs> and yes. Give, give yes. some attention to that yes. and and continue this conversation because I feel we're just scratching, we're just starting to take the first step and then the bell rings. I know, I know. And we haven't even talked. There's so much good stuff we haven't there talked is. about. Yes. And yeah, and yeah. I'll be in Europe quite a bit this year so we can arrange something in the same time zone which Great. will make things a bit better as well. Yeah. So. Very, yeah. very nice, uh, Mikael. I'm so glad uh, I, I got to talk with you then today. Well, thank you very much. Mm, thank you for coming on. All right. Bless, Bless you. You. Oh, you too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You've been listening to Forum Borealis Conversation with Mikael Abom on the topic of relationship, sex and gender. As part of our new series on this subject, where we will go deeper and deeper, covering all relevant bases and shedding light on vital and less understood matters of the heart, the crotch, and the field in between male and female, where both masculinity and femininity resides. We will strive to make the conversations of this series tangible and innovative so as to avoid the more superficial level of these topics as often presented in the mainstream. As always, our guests will be well-versed in the field, holding some valuable insight worthy of your attention. If you're a sponsor, you can give us feedback to our shows, letting us know your favorite shows, topics and guests contributing to making us better so that our services to you is worthy of your perpetuated attention. We've uh, updated the sponsor section recently with an individual login function that will give you permanent access to early shows and bonus material that will increase in time even if you just chipped in a one-time dollar. Speaking of donations, do keep up your contributions, facilitating our further work, and we will deliver more and ever better programs in return. Before we part, listen to this. Your purpose must come before your relationship. Every man knows that his highest purpose in life cannot be reduced to any particular relationship. If a man prioritizes his relationship over his highest purpose, he weakens himself, 
disservices the universe and cheats his woman of an authentic man who can offer her full, undivided presence. If you don't know your purpose, discover it now. Without a conscious life purpose, a man is totally lost, drifting, adapting to events rather than creating events. Without knowing his life purpose, a man lives a weakened, impotent existence, perhaps eventually becoming even sexually impotent or prone to mechanical and disinterested sex. She doesn't really want to be number one. A woman sometimes seems to want to be the most important thing in a man's life. However, if she is the most important thing, then she feels her man has made her the number one priority and is not fully dedicated or directed to divine growth and service. She will feel her man's dependence on her for his happiness, and this will make her feel smothered by his neediness and clinging. A woman really wants her man to be totally dedicated to his higher purpose and also to love her fully. Although she would never admit it, she wants to feel that her man would be willing to sacrifice their relationship for the sake of his highest purpose. This quote is from David Dada's book, The Way of the Superior Man, which has been the basis for this show. And your host today is Al, sincerely signing off with the Borealis team. Be seeing you. Number one.